Hey everyone. First of all, apologies for the delay between podcasts. Life has been a little hectic. But we are back with monthly podcasts with elites from the world of elite running. This episode is with Craig Huffer, who is one hell of an interesting guy to chat to when it comes to middle distance running. A huge junior talent, Huffer posted 336 over 1500 metres as a 20 year old. His career then took him to America, where he spent some time at Adams State before leaving college and joining the very nice track club with the famous coach, Ron Warhurst. Training alongside huge names such as Nick Willis, Huffer gained a wealth of knowledge that has now allowed him to set up his own coaching group in Melbourne. We hope you enjoy this episode. A word from this week's sponsor. During COVID lockdown in 2020, I turned to an online physio to help me through some issues. So this is a company that I know are great at what they do. If you're struggling with a bone, tendon, or joint-based running-related injury, Pogo Physio's 45-minute telehealth consultations can help get you back to your running best. Led by APA-titled sports and exercise physio, Brad Beer, the Pogo Physio team are ready to help you. Jump over to pogophysio.com.au and book your consult now. We will also have the link to Pogo in the show notes. Hey, Huffer, welcome to Runners Tribe. Thanks for having me, Sam. It's been a little while since I last did one of these with Runners Tribe. A little bit of uh, different shoes these days. So yeah, looking forward to the chat. Yeah, we used to have you on Runners RT quite a lot, hey, back in the day. Um, blogs and, you know, um, YouTube interviews, all sorts of cool stuff. Yeah, back in the uh, more the embarrassing teenage years. Um, so yeah, in my, in my 30s now, so it's been a while. Mate, when we met, um, I can't remember the year, it was like 08 or 09, I remember it was out in um, the gold fields out at Leonore Golden Gift and um, I remember you, you beat me in the final there that year and um, is that still like one of the highlights of your life? Oh, definitely. Just pick up that gold <laughs> nugget. <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, definitely uh, still got that gold nugget with me these days. Um, yeah, it was a fantastic experience. So I've always wanted to get back there. I just haven't, haven't been able to, uh, to have the opportunity to get back there in these, uh, these times. So, yeah, I can remember that. Um, I think Benny St. Lawrence was in the race. Krista Ball was also in the race. Um, so, That's right, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, I didn't really know what I was flying into. I think it was my <laughs> first year of uni and I was just 18. It was a build-up to World Juniors and I was like, oh, I think it was about $6,000 for the winning gold nugget. And I was like, well, if I can win that, that's going to pay for my World Juniors trip because I think it's going to cost a similar amount of money. I was like, I've got to do it, got to do it. So I was lucky, lucky to come away with the win. Oh, happy days. That gold nugget would have uh, appreciated a little bit in value since then too, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it has definitely, yeah. Um, back back um, around those years, you know, you were a, a bit of a quietly spoken country boy who hadn't yet decided on kind of that path you were going to take post high school. I think, I think I remember chatting to you that you were thinking about college, but maybe a decision hadn't been made yet. Um, you know, I presume you were weighing it all up, whether or not to stay in Australia and, you know, join MTC or one, a group like that, or whether or not to go to college. Can you talk us through a little bit about that decision? Yeah, so it's a, it's a while ago now. Um, so, yeah, coming out of high school, obviously I'd ran some pretty fast times. Nice. Yeah, around 343 and I've broken 150 for 800 metres. So I, my big goal as a junior was, you know, obviously to, to race and compete against the best guys in the world and to be one of those guys one day. Um, and so, yeah, the ultimate, that was the goal. I was, 
when it, growing up, you know, I made nationals all the way through from like 10 years of age and was always in that little bubble, progressively going through the pathways of uh, Australian athletics. Um, and when I got to, when I was 14 years of age, my, my coach at the time passed away, Joe Carmody, who was an absolute legend in my area. I come from like three hours east of Melbourne, so a small, small country town called Newry. Um, the regions in the Gippsland region, for those uh, unfamiliar, it's kind of east of east of Melbourne. So from there till the border is pretty much Gippsland. There's not a lot, it's not a huge hotspot in regards to athletic opportunities, um, but obviously there's a lot of talent there. Um, probably the most uh, most recent is Eleanor Patterson. She's, she's a Gippsland girl. So plenty of talent in the area, but opportunities aren't that, aren't that great there. So... Growing up, yeah, just uh, pondered away at my running and kept on working up and just improving my times. That was always like, lucky enough, I had an old brother, four and a half years older than me, who was, uh, who was a great mentor. You know, we used to work together and I'd be chasing his PBs each year and just progressing the way through. So when I got to 17, 18, you know, I ran some, I guess I look back to those times and I was like, wow, they were pretty, they were pretty fast. Um, and, uh, yeah, I had those opportunities to go to college. I didn't actually get many offers. I, I always hear these kids getting all these offers and that. And, I'd, you know, rent times change a bit now. There's a lot of fast juniors. But at the time, it was one of the fastest in the world. And I was a couple of months older than Gregson. So Gregson was always usually about a second second ahead of me hitting those Aussie records. Um, and I had a couple of opportunities, but I, I had a had was working with Mark Labbrook at the time and he was coached by Joe Carmody back in the day too. So ladders went on and uh, made the uh, 96 Olympics and it's also gone on and he's having a really good coaching career these days. So things are working out pretty well. Um, Smoking couples, well, actually only really one school, Oregon at the time. And, you know, they were bad an absolute super depth team of Centro, Weeding, Mercado boys, AJ Acosta was just like this. And of course, Galen Rupp. So it was an all-star lineup. So it would have been really good to go there. But um, yeah, I just felt like everything was going in the right track, made world juniors. But then after that, um, I ended up running 336, just as I just turned 20 and uh Qualified for a Commonwealth Games, but I didn't run the trials due to torn planter and uh, and yeah, there was a little. I I wanted to be qualified, and uh, Athletics Australia probably never heard anything from him, even though I'd run an A qualifier. And my brother was at college at the time, so I ended up uh, attending Adam State where he was because he was kind of guiding me with my training through that that time so I just felt that was the uh the best opportunity to go up to college um but yeah obviously I, I made some other moves after that right and um so like I'll get into the whole um um your later bit in America in a sec but in terms of the college decision um obviously that you know that you're at college but then that led to a lot of other stuff but looking back on it are you happy with that decision yeah, it was at the time, you know, everything going to Adam State, I, it's absolutely terrific. It was a D2 program, so it's a bit different. Obviously, I'd ran, I was 20 years of age, just turned 20. I'd done a, done a year of university, year or two of university back here in Australia, but I was, um, by a tough, I wasn't, I had 
Dean was guiding my training at that time and he was living in America, living the dream and I'd run a lot faster. So I'd gone over to Adams State, Alamosa, just to do some altitude training. So that's at 2,300 metres altitude. So a little bit higher than Flagstaff. Come off there, raced in Europe, ran 336. And I was like, oh, altitude works for me. Um, I'll go, go there. But it was leading into, ended up going there for a season. We helped the team win the uh, a national cross title. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was terrific. That opportunity, like, um, got no regrets in, um, in, in going there and uh, having that opportunity to compete college. Maybe whether I had maybe gone to another school would have been a different story of stayed there for longer. Um, but at the time, I was moving into the 2012 Olympics and, you know, growing up to Australia, I didn't really have that our college was everything. It's probably a bit different now as, you know, there's only a couple of Aussies going to college at the time, like Dave McNeil and, and those kind of guys over there. Now, now it seems every Aussie kid heads over. So it was a little bit different. And I wanted to make that Olympics. So I ended up making a move to a, a professional group up in Michigan, a very nice track club. But yeah, if I, like I say, if, if you're asking that question whether kids should go to college, absolutely. Yeah, like you run on the professional circuit, but I think any professional runner who's run on it will probably say their, their time at college was their, their highlight of their career. And especially these days, like you, you're, you're competing just about against the best in the world as Ollie Hoare and, uh, and Josh Kerr, you know, those are going head to head and then they're in the Olympic finals the next year after college. So it is such a good stepping stone. You know, every kid's different though. So every kid has a different pathways and some kids are better to wait and, and go to grad school, which I really think is a, a good idea. Spend those first few years still here in Australia, get your bachelor's instead of doing a four year bachelor's and then going, going for grad school is another pathway. Yeah. Gotcha. So yeah. So you, you don't have to make the decision at 18, right? You can, you can kind of yeah go at 22 or whatever. Yeah. Well, you got that five-year clock yeah. um, whenever you start university. So, yeah. But if you get that opportunity, absolutely go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Post-college, uh, you obviously joined uh, up with Ron Warhurst's squad. Um, very nice track club, I think, I think it's called. Uh, you know, how did that come to pass, man? Like, how did you go from Adam State to, to um, training with Mick Lillis and Ron Warhurst? So, yeah, I was only at Adams for cross-country season a little bit. We were helped recruit Kev Fat into Adam State at the time. So I was a bit, gotcha. yeah, it was one of those things like, oh, I've just recruited this guy and he's a good guy, Kevin. He obviously had a hugely successful uh, career at Adam State. Um, so it would have been good to keep on competing with another Aussie there. Um, but, yeah, ultimately it was coming to 2012. I had a little bit of an injury and I had to come back home for that treatment here in Australia. Um, obviously the medical system in Australia is a lot better than, than America. And yeah, my goal was to make that Olympic team in 2012. And I'd, I'd ran Boston Indoor Grand Prix uh, in January um, at, when I was at Adam State. And I remember I had a really bad race. So it was that race, I can't remember, it was the Ethiopian guy. He lost his shoe after that first lap. And then ended up beating Mo Farah. It was about the last race that Mo lost <laughs> on the track, and um, I was actually the guy who pretty much dogged in dead last on that race. <laughs> I just remember looking at that shoe, and but I finished that race, and I was really disappointed. But I, 
went into the uh, dining room and, you know, Willis is there, Will Lear, uh, Brandon Bethke, Leah Manuel, they're on, all on one table and it was like I'm sitting on this other table and they're all having a laugh and I knew they had not had a good day. And I was just thinking, man, that would be so cool to be training with those guys and being in that environment. And, you know, I went away and kept on plugging away and unfortunately come over to Australia. My dad, Dennis, he um, went to a coaching seminar and uh, Ron was speaking here in Melbourne. And I remember him coming back and he's like, and he ever heard this guy called Ron Warhurst. I was like, yeah, absolutely. He's an absolute legend. And um, he's like, yeah, if you ever be coached by one guy, that guy is the man. He's like, he's, he's, he's got it. He knows he talks about running technique is a big thing. He's talking about, you know, he just has that charisma that you want in a coach and um, just a real, real all around good guy. And um, only enough, you know, a few months later, I started to think, well, is Adam's the best program right at this moment? You know, it might have, in hindsight, it might have been better to, to stay or, or go to another program um, or to move up to the very nice track club and um, decided to make that move up to the very nice track club to try and make that 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 team for 2012 and um, got there. And, yeah, absolutely pinching myself that here I am training with uh, – Nick and Will and, and Bethy and Lee on a day-in, day-out basis. Yeah, it was best few years of my uh, running training, yeah, running with those guys and obviously having Ron Warhurst. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on, still on the phone every few days. He's still like my mentor. He's still my coach. So he really mentors me um, through my day-to-day with my own personal coaching that I do with my athletes, but also my own running. And what is it, like you mentioned his charisma um, and that his focus on technique and stuff, but like diving deeper, I guess um, a lot of his training philosophy has been published on the net um, over the years, but what is it kind of from an inside um, view on this? What is it that makes him so successful? Yeah, the old, the Ron science. Good question. Yeah, he comes to that track and he's got like this mathematics brain of ticking away, of working out all the time, you know, what splits this got to do, what split, how, you know, is watch, watching while the Olympic final went through this. And then he'll start throwing us on the hills and then you'll come back to the track and you'll be like, how did he think of this workout? And then you start to add things all up and then you're like, ah, now I understand. So he's got this, this type of program that probably, you know, if you probably try to give someone else outside that Ann Arbor area, it probably wouldn't work. So he's really evolved his coaching within his environment. You know, obviously you can translate that to different different places. Um, but it's that confidence that Ron gives you to be yourself as an individual person, you know, where we were a group of athletes from all over the world coming together. We had different personalities, but Outside the running, Ron allowed us to grow as as people, which I thought was really really important. Um, he under he understands. He keeps things pretty normal in the Ron way, which is uh, if you know Ron, is uh, he's one of a kind character who's uh, will always bring a smile to your face. He's always got something something funny funny or obscene to say. <laughs> so yeah, so going to you're going to workouts each day. It's just. It's a fun environment to be, um, but he's got that maths brain and he's trying to always get you peaking 
for that quantum footwear. So training does evolve from one month to another. Um, it's, it is periodized um, and it's really focused on that long-term development of you and getting yourself right for that championship day. Right. Because, I mean, a lot of um, when people talk about him, they're talking about big sessions like the Michigan and um, people just absolutely annihilating themselves. But I gather from you that he's not really just annihilating his athletes on a daily basis. It's, um, you know, long-term focus and um, there are a lot of kind of easy days in there too, hey? Yeah, like an Australian system usually has three workouts a week. Uh, we would only train workout twice a week. You know, it was the easy days in between. Um, and the workouts, yeah, Ron loved the, doing the hills and coming back to the track. And a lot of his training has evolved over years. Um, and I'm sure back in, if you have a chat to the guys when Ron first started coaching at the University of Michigan, they were like, man, we trained, we trained way harder than you guys. So in regards to the rest days, I think he's probably uh, started to understand that a lot more. Um, and I think probably Nick's brought that onto the program a lot more since he first started uh, as a freshman at Michigan. Um, so anyway, for Ron, he's always open to other ideas. The two heads are better than one. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely evolved over those, those times. Um, but, yeah, you've got to be careful in the sense like some of these workouts are tough, but there's probably a, an understanding with us professional athletes that we should be in control and know what we've got to do with our body and um and understand the workouts too in what they're trying to achieve and so yeah it'd probably be tough if you just had uh just a young athlete just jumping straight in these workouts away from ron actually explaining to what the actual purpose of these sessions is all about and that's that's why you have a coach that's why it's important and do you think um, those old, older guys did actually train harder or is it just like one of those typical things of like how old people always crap on about how back in the day they did this and that and it was, they were tough. No, no, days, no honestly, yeah, d definitely. So definitely trained harder. So Ron's a Vietnam vet. He was the guy who would uh, lead the patrols and uh, stick his head down the rabbit holes and um, he's a, yeah, he's a tough man. So those I guess when coming back, and that's how Ron's training's evolved. I, I chatted to one of the uh, the Honolulu Marathon director, Jonathan Cross, and he was talking about some of the workouts that he, Ronnie would give him. And it's like started out, they were just doing hill reps. And then he realized when they got back to the track, they weren't tight. So he started giving them 400s. And then <laughs> he realized, ah, oh, they're still not tight enough. Let's start shortening the recovery jog. Um, so that's the sense of it's been a probably a little bit of trial and error if Ron's training and developed it over the years. But as I like to say, coaches are probably ahead of science. They're the ones trying to test the limits and then science is studying what these guys are actually done. So it's been years and years of the Ron playbook um, all, all evolving. And I guess uh, Hobbs is the man these days, Hobbs Kessler, you know, who set the uh, US high school record last year. Um, so Ron's had a lot of great success, I guess, with the elites and, and collegiate runners. But this really shows, I, th I think, you know, he's, this kid was just one of uh, Ron's son's friends just at school and decided uh, his dad used to show up to workouts and he just decided to just uh, come along. And it shows how great of a coach Ron really is to, to be able to nurture this kid from pretty much 
don't know if you've seen the Instagram video, yeah. his technique from early days to, to now, how he's pretty much started out from just a hobby high school runner to becoming one of the best in the world these days. How long did run? How long did that transition take again? I um I know the story, you know the athlete, but um not yeah it was, it was like pretty quick. Hey, sorry for yeah um how long like um after Ron met him, how long did it take him till he was um awesome? Yeah, it's been a, it's been during the period I've been away. Um, so Hobbs's dad used to always show up to workouts, and uh, I think he's probably started growing up around 16 and I think uh, even his junior year he wasn't anything flash at all in the middle of pack kind of cross-country runner um, to quickly progressing by that track season to be one of the top junior junior athletes so it's only been really uh, he's still pretty fresh maybe only three three maximum four years that he's really been kind of semi-running serious probably only the last year he's been running serious yeah it's an incredible story. Hey, on a bit of a tangent, but like um, when you left Adam State uh, and you were, you know, um, kind of went pro, were you on a um, kind of a full ride with a company or were you working part-time? Like how were you um, kind of getting by? So when I finished I at Adam State, I still hadn't got my degree. So I ended up um, doing my degree through Deakin uh via correspondence so i still kept on studying away during the times and that's the thing i was still to and from back here in australia so i'd work and save a little bit of money i had a a fantastic agent and and some support with adidas um so i had global athletics and marketing which is headed by mark wetmore and i had Jorge torres as uh as my agent so they were terrific in supporting me through all the travel and everything like that and, and gaining the opportunities. Unfortunately, I guess my professional career was hampered a lot with injuries. Um, yeah, so to really max out that absolute value of the uh, the contract situation, yeah, I didn't really uh, get to to be that real, real full-time athlete making yeah. big profits or anything. But, yeah, we got by. For those um, juniors listening to this, which is I think quite a lot of, uh, the people who listen here are, are, you know, junior athletes on the, on the up, you know, and for those um, who don't remember, like when Huffer was 18, it was Huffer and Gregson who were the, you know, the, the next big things and, and Huffer don't take this in offense or anything, but um, do you feel like those injuries, like, are you pissed off? Like when you're looking back at um, um, you, you, I know you, I think your PB is 336 and 147, but um, I, I think there won't be too many people that, um, argue that against the, the fact that you could have run quite a lot quicker you know are you, are you angry at the injuries that you had like um, why do you think is it, is it just part of your body you know or um, was it management or did overtraining um, yeah yeah um, of course it's tough reflecting on that especially uh, you know I, I, I guess I got to taste that. That's still damn fast, man. Like, you know, I wish I had a yeah. 336 PV, right? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's tough when you think, like, I was only just turned 20. I was a very lightly trained junior athlete too. Um, even during the years I ran 339 as a 19-year-old, I was doing maximum 30 miles. What's that? 50, 50 sorry, kind of converted a little bit into miles these days oh, I was probably only doing 55 50 to 55 k's a week absolutely maximum um so I wasn't doing 
that high mileage and I, yeah, I guess I, I had the talent and I, I know I was lucky enough to train with the best middle distance. I, I would say the best middle distance runner nearly of all time in Nick. So to be able to train alongside him, I knew I had the tools and, and I, know, I know Ron had a lot of belief in me in my talent levels. Um, and that's why he's still calling me up these days to get back to Michigan to give it one last crack. <laughs> but I, uh, but that's the reality of the sport. And that's, that's one of the biggest things with running. You've also got to have that talent to be able to be able to get consistent training in the end to be able to get the consistent training is what's going to get the results. Um, unfortunately, I just didn't have that, that cog of being able to get the consistency, whether we can say it's, I don't think it was overtraining. I think it was just how my body was uh, genetically had. You know, my brother's also was there. You know, he still went to college for running. Um, it was a three forty five guy, and pretty much nearly every single injury he's had. You know, so my dad was a pretty high level footballer who was uh, on the footscray list for a little bit. Western Bulldogs, um, and he had similar injuries. So we can probably look at the genetic side of things, um, hereditary based injuries and, and the movement structures. And as someone who's very biomechanically focused and, you know, looking at those red flags of my own athletes, you know, that's something I consistently worked on in regards to my technique and how it moves. But um, it's just, just one of those deciding factors that you'll see guys running around you like, how does that guy not get break? And there is a bit of a, a luck of the draw. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, the influence of Nick Willis on your life, um, when you look at Nick and you compare him to yourself, like, is, you know, I presume that your level of professionalism was pretty much equal. And um, what, what separates a guy like you and a guy like Nick? Is it literally that just that um, genetic lottery when it comes to injury prevention? Oh, there's no question the guy's a freak. <laughs> yeah, he just knows he's, um, yeah, he's got an ability to know how to switch the switch on when he needs to switch the switch off um, when he needs to. Uh, he has an incredible team surrounding him um, and is able to develop a really professional network. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it's obviously... He's had his battles with injuries, so it's not like Nick's had his clean bill of health all the way. You know, he's, he definitely had his uh, injury struggles through those periods, but he was able to bounce back and, um, yeah, had a very good support program too. I think that really helped. But obviously, like I said, he's a freak. <laughs> is, what sort of trainer is he like in the sense that, you know, is that the athletes that sometimes train kind of just mediocre and then absolutely just annihilate races? Is Does Nick hold back in training or does he, does he you know, destroy himself in training? How does, yeah. Uh, he knows when he's got to do the things well he's doing the things always right except for that two weeks at the end of the season where he likes to wear on his uh, 10 pounds and <laughs> mongrel into the food but he knows how he knows what works for him ultimately um, and I think that's important as a, as a coach and also an athlete they understand that what works for them and there is a bit of individuality to it so there's a lot of programs that will say, well, this worked for me. We're all going to do that. But Nick's got it. He knew exactly what he's got to do. He worked it all out. Uh, 32 years of age now, mate. Um, is, it, 
you know, are you, you going to have another crack? You know, you could, if you follow Nick Willis as an example, you might have, you know, five, six, seven years that left ahead of you. Um, I haven't thought that far down the track. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, the thing is that Ronnie's athletes, I, I'm not sure if it's the style of training or, uh, and the, I guess those athletes also had the opportunity of being full-time athletes through to that age as well. That's a big deciding thing. It's tough with sponsorship. You know, they, they want to give the money to the youngsters and they're the new exciting products. So you can totally understand those companies flying the dollars at them. So those athletes were lucky enough just to stick the boxes along and can continue being full-time athletes. But you look at Will there, you look at uh, Kevin Sullivan, you look at uh, Will Snape Brennan, um, obviously was a different coach at the end, but all these guys were running at their best or their best times when they were in their early 30s. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. I was actually a late developer. I, I was still growing when I was even 20. I, even when I ran my PBs, I was still still growing a fair bit. Um, so that's the thing. You never know, but it's tough just having to try and to work and, and try yeah. to, um, I'm just here just training by myself in Melbourne and, and trying to fit everything in. But yeah, still, there's still a little bit in me. And some days I just think I've still got it. But then others days, yeah, it's, uh, it's been a while since that PB of uh, back in 2010. <laughs> it has been indeed, mate. Yeah. Um, um, so I hear you're a coach now um, with some really talented juniors and, uh, is this a career move for you? Like, are you, um, do you want to be a full-time coach? Is that the goal or is it just kind of a side, side thing? No, absolutely. Full-time um, creating. So like I said, I'm a, uh, a Gippslander originally. It's a big area that's had no real athlete development. No, nothing's really been touched in the area. Um, we've been luckily used to produce a few Olympians that have had to reach far and wide to get these opportunities to pursue their uh, pursue their dreams. So I've started up the Gippsland Track Club alongside my my dad who works down in um, the Sale area, and then I'm got a group more in the Warrigal area, so kind of the the western east branch of, of Gippsland. Um, so over the COVID period, I decided uh, I really wanted to get into the coaching. I felt like I'd had so many incredible opportunities with my own running and it was um I, I needed to share it I needed to get a lot off my chest and, and also hope that there was uh i knew there's got to be heaps of talent in gippsland and um who are just who just need to be guided they need to be shown the path and uh and so yeah started that group up and ended up going to grad school had a business degree for my bachelor's in sports management and ended up uh going to grad school doing a high performance uh, sport and also exercise science in strength and conditioning just to give myself that uh, university level backing within my own coaching and the uh, more of the science you know I, I knew that the kind of the application side of it but the uh, theory side of it I just needed a little bit more support of my knowledge um, and then yeah so got a group here also in Melbourne which is really good because it gives those country athletes in Gippsland a bit of a pathway to come through they've got a base here in Melbourne to train with we've got a very good uh little team environment with our sports physician Karen Holzow, our um, podiatrist 
John Charles and also physiotherapist, um, which is my brother, Dean, who um, supports, helps out of a lot of, uh, of Australia's top runners on the side as well. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a, a good journey. I'm loving it, loving coaching. Awesome. Well, and how do people reach out to you, mate? Like if there's a kid listening to this who, who wants to gain your experience, how can they, how can they reach you? Uh, yeah, so we've just got our website, trackclub.fit. Um, all the information's on there or just shoot us an email at gibsonandtrackclub at gmail.com. But yeah, more than, want to help you, just uh, more than happy. I'm getting a lot of, a few athletes to younger juniors who probably had similar, similar development, young kids who have had a few injuries, talented kids and trying to get them on back on the path to uh, enjoy their running and also just getting them moving functionally after injuries. I know too well how those compensation issues happen with you, your running technique and uh, and just making some some adjustments. So that's it's really, really rewarding. Awesome. I presume your coaching style is like a, a huffer um, kind of crossed with a warhurst. Uh, yeah, I, I take a little bit of everything. I guess I'm very fortunate. Um, a little bit of Joe Carmody back in the day and of uh, Mark Labbrook and um, I spent I went up to Laguna Mountains with Melbourne Track Club and uh, and college coach Damon Martin, who the altitude training was very influenced by Joe V. Hill, was who's pretty much the big pioneer of altitude training. So I've got yeah a number of kind of coaches who have uh, I can yeah been able to build my knowledge from. So yeah, pick those information, then also just from my own individual individual experience. Yeah, but the main thing is just. Uh, creating that real team environment within. I think that was important that uh, it's such an individual sport, but for me, I wanted to create a bit of a, a team club environment growing up in Newry. It was just me, myself and I, most days still is <laughs> going out training. So, but I wanted these kids to have a really good training net, training group. Mate, it's been awesome catching up with you. Um, and yeah, really appreciate it. And it's good to, it's been, been too many years and, uh, good luck with the coaching, good luck with the running, and yeah, we'll touch bases with it again. Thanks, Sam. Same fun. <laughs>